0: The Fuji Cast is an independent Loading Zone production. Did you smuggle back into the country any cicadas, Kev, just to make you feel like each night when you go to sleep you could just pop one on the mantelpiece just downstairs and let it chirp away so you could mm-hmm. hear it in the background and remind no. you of Spain?
1: You're not allowed to bring anything back that's useful, alive, food, anything. The family included? family <laughs> included, yeah, they've <laughs> left them all there because they were too much alive, yeah. Thanks to friendly old Brett um, nothing is allowed across.
0: I think that was always the way, though, Cave. You're not really allowed to bring live things through, regardless of of, of, uh, of uh, Brexit or or whatever. You know?
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> live things, but certainly like you can't you can't bring food, no, hand, no, no, nothing. Yeah, no. basically,
0: no cicadas there. <laughs> no
1: cicadas. Definitely no cicadas. We were
0: we were stopped actually on uh, our way back from Turkey. Thomas uh, likes to draw on rocks, and we found some really cool white rocks, so he was able to draw on the rocks uh, and yeah. and he found one that looked just like the front of a train so he spent probably days on this thing painting it with his uh, special rock paints that he has and it looked looked like the front of an LNER Class eight hundred or class eight hundred one for the real aficionados. He got mm. this, he really proud of it, and then he he took it through airport security, and they only went to try and take it away from him. Yeah, but I think they they saw the look in his eyes, and this very kindly guy relented, and he said, "Oh, go on," and, and he put it back in the bag, and we sort of rushed off. <laughs> but what was Spain like? Did you enjoy it, Kev?
1: Yeah, it was great. Loved yeah. it. Absolutely loved it. Wish I wasn't back. Hate the real world. I'm gonna go. And, I'm gonna go and live up a tree with some cats. I've decided what? that's my future.
0: <laughs> next week, Kev said. I don't know. Not, ne- not next week. You, you wish it was next week. Next year. I hope you don't mind me mentioning Kev. But Kev said to me, "I'm going there for six weeks." <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Could you honestly yeah. do six weeks around a pool just you and the cicada?
1: Yeah, definitely. But it won't be that. It'll be it'll my plan next year, hopefully if things crossed and all things go well yeah. is that we'll do a, a road trip down. So we'll stop in Paris, Barcelona. Oh. Um, we'll probably pop across to Africa while we're there. What? It's only across the ferry. Africa, I know, it's like a, Morocco.
0: Like, an, like an odyssey. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So I think six maybe eight weeks. If I I might go a couple of weeks before the kids break up from Eight school, weeks?
0: Well, are you gonna do any weddings next year, Kev? <laughs> <laughs> the Fuji cast. Oh well, Kev. If if you make it next year for that that length of time, can I come with you in your in your, your suitcase? That'd be an amazing adventure for the kids, wouldn't it?
1: Wouldn't it? Yeah, I think it'd be great.
0: Yeah, I really do. when I mean, they so. learn so much about
1: life. And it's my... I'll be 50 during that trip, so this is the reason why... What? You're 50? This year? No. Next year? During, during that trip. So yeah. next
0: year you're 50?
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, i yeah. just still down as 45. <laughs> I wish. You're catching up with Daniel Craig. You are <laughs> right. Welcome to the Fuji Cast. It's um, well, it's a, it's a, a brand new season. Really, we we're, we're here every other week for you, and for those that uh, are patrons. Um, well, we're here every single week because there's a little little bit extra uh, next week that we uh, we put out in the, in the patron group, which will be over Monday as well. You and your questions from our electronic mailbag and, of course, uh, also through the, the Fujicast private Facebook group that you're welcome to become a part of. If you'd like to send a mail through, send it to click at uk. Also on the show today, we have... Well, we don't have a book of the week, do we? It's not... This, this could be... Um, I don't know. You don't. You you don't usually use the Z word, but it is. It's a zine of the week.
1: Well, yeah. You can. You'll call it a zine. I'll call it a luxury pamphlet. <laughs>
0: that makes it sound like something you buy a Sunseeker from.
1: <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Well, it looks a bit like that. Um, <laughs> yes. And this is one that we were we were sent all the way from Mexico. Oh, so Mexico.
0: Uh, we'll chat about that when we get to it. Why is your problem with the word zine, Kev? Stupid word. I don't understand why it's. It's like mm. picking out a word like newspaper and saying, I don't like that word. It's a stupid word.
1: Mm, zine. No, it's it's like togs. I hate, like when people say the word togs, I immediately delete them from my Facebook group of my entire life. I wonder why I'd gone.
0: Togs. <laughs> <laughs> I did take a picture of, I was on uh, Oslo. Where was I? Oslo. Sounded like a proper jet setter, us to Oslo um, Airport. And they'd put a bus replacement service on for the line that I did intend to take to go up to Lilyhammer for a wedding and it said hang on let me find it because I've got a picture of it I'll send it to you Kev you'll like it it says uh, bus for tog <laughs> so I, I assume for tog means you know for those not wanting to take the or not able to take the train service today seems a very short expression for that but bus B-U-S-S for tog they're making us feel very special in Norway they're, they're laying on buses for togs <laughs> but you don't like that phrase either do you? no
1: I'd have got back on the plane and come back <laughs> In fact I'm in Norway in a couple of weeks for a wedding also I think I'm going to be flying to Trondheim if there's any togs there that'll be it
0: okay well, I'll make sure all signs are, are removed right let's get to the uh, the questions of the show well before we start Neil You use pick time, don't you? Yeah, well, you know it. I I like to think I was responsible for you using pick time.
1: (laughs) You were indeed. It was (laughs) you were the one that first showed me pick time. And I went, wow, look at that. Yeah. Which was pretty fortuitous, actually, because they have come on board as friends of the show. Ah. who are going to help us for a few months with uh, running the show, which is very, very kind of them. Absolutely. Now, what is it about pick time that you like the most? Go on, tell
0: me. Well, I'm a very visual person. You know me, Kev. I'm, I'm not very tech. I can use interfaces, et cetera, et cetera, but, but I like stuff to look good. I mean, that's why we spend so long making websites, isn't it? We want them to look good. And I never felt that what I used before, it just felt clunky. Uh, well, the moment I was introduced to, to PickTime, I thought, wow, look, this, I mean, effectively, this, this looks like something that I would be proud to have as a, a, a designer alongside my website. You know, you can decide what pictures you want large. You can have subsections of, in my case, it's a wedding, but it could be a portrait. It could be any kind of job, couldn't it? And in fact, even for commercial, I've used it with, um, with subsections. I'm doing a commercial job for a landscaping company at the moment. It's a really good looking interface
1: yeah it's beautiful isn't it and that's that's what struck me about it when i saw your one all those years ago i thought wow that does look absolutely incredible and uh i've used it i i've even had all of my old galleries from my old provider moved across uh pick time offer a service where they will move all of your old galleries across which was good because i had something like 450 (laughs) of them to do i did all that manually kev (laughs) oh no there you go so they'll do it for you Um, but yeah i mean it looks amazing and it's, it's really funny actually because just last week i had an email from a client whose wedding i shot in june or something like that and actually it wasn't the client it was from the mum so the mum emailed me and she said i just want to say that the pictures were amazing but also the website that you provided them for for their guests to look at was just phenomenal
0: and i was like well i didn't provide that website pick time did Uh but that's a very, very good thing, don't you think? Well, I think it's good if it interfaces and people think it feels like it's part of your brand. Yeah. So,
1: like I say, PickTime uh, will be with us for uh, hopefully a few months or so. Yeah. And you can, both Neil and I, use it and we would not be uh, talking about anybody on the show that we don't fully support ourselves. Uh-huh. And you can actually get a uh, PickTime of being very kind and have offered us all at the FujiCast one month free when upgrading to any PickTime pay plan and you can just use the code FUJICAST. And you can do that by going to their website, which is www.pic-time.com, and the code is FUJICAST. And we will, of course, put this in the Facebook group and on the show notes.
0: So, pic-time.com. Correct. Right, questions. One from Marcus Norman. Hello from an ex-pat living in Lake Forest, just north of Chicago, USA. I've been. Why, in- why would
1: you change your name from Pat to Marcus, do you think? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I had to think about that for a minute. Um yes. Hello from an ex Pat called Marcus, living in Lake Forest. I've been enjoying your podcast for a few months now, and I appreciate your shared knowledge. Well, Kev's the one with the knowledge. I just uh pass the bat on to him. Wisdom, you got wisdom, Kev, and inspiration. Um in
1: nearly every I do need in- to go to the dentist. That's tr- <laughs> have you tried getting a dental appointment recently?
0: Whew. What are you talking about? Oh, wisdom, wisdom teeth. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. No, I'm okay. Still, I, get a, I get a dental. We, we live just literally, I mean, it's less than five minutes' walk from this front door to the uh, dentist. I, I'm still lucky enough
1: to, to be on an NHS dentist. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I am as well, yeah. But oh, it's, blimey,
1: it's, trying to get all the errors. It's like trying to pull teeth out of a chicken, so to
0: speak. <laughs> it still costs money, though, even if you're on the NHS. A crown oh, yeah. will, a yeah, crown yeah, will yeah. still cost you 300, 400 quid. Oh, no, no, no. No, it doesn't. But uh, I, I don't know it does. paying the money. It does,
1: Kev. It does. That's what it costs. It does. I had a root canal done about three years ago, mm-hmm. um, and it cost me 76 quid. That's and not bad. that was bad. four sessions.
0: Uh, oh, yeah.
1: You can't um, argue. Anyway, with that. it doesn't matter. I'd happily pay somebody. All I want is a checkup. But...
0: I'll, ch- I'll check up, Kev. Come down here. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll have a look in your gob. I started with <laughs> photography, shooting portraits, headshots about four years ago and relied on a job referral service called Thumbtack to gain clients and experience. That worked well enough, so I stopped the service, and then the pandemic hit. Consequently, work slowed down to only a few portraits per week. While I do enjoy photographing people, I'm starting to consider using a few of my interior design and real estate photos to gain some additional work. When I just first started out with photography, I tried shooting interiors and architecture and asked a few friends if I could photograph their spaces, which I really enjoyed, but thought portraiture could be more viable. My question is related to branding, speciality, and this is something we talk about quite a lot, Kev, actually. What do you both think about potentially having two separate websites? One for the portraits, one for the architecture. It feels to me that the audience and product for each is so different that it could make sense. I may have just answered my own question, actually, but I'm always curious to hear your take.
1: Yeah, I think I think architecture and portraits are so different. Wildly that it different. Wildly makes different. sense yeah. to have separate ones. Yeah, yeah I, I, we've said we have said this many times that if it's you know if it's something like um, I don't know portraiture and pet photography, then they you know similar, aren't yeah. they? Similar-ish yeah. in that you know. Um, But yeah, architecture, I think architecture, you're going to be looking at more kind of corporate clients. um, And, you know, they're going to have certain expectations. And you don't want to be, you know, you you, you don't want to kind of um, muddle up the Google search stuff and and kind of get cross messages across there. I think I would, I would go separate websites for that.
0: It is interesting to see the amount of photographers that have now mixed everything together. Uh, in one website and it's been something that's happened to, to some photographers over lockdown they've thought right I want to show my breadth of work I'm throwing mud against the wall in some respects
1: yeah uh absolutely there, there was a whole load of that because people were bored weren't they and they mm. had time to go through their archives and all of that kind of stuff um and that's fine you know if it, if it's if it's complimentary work then yeah it makes sense um I've also lo- noticed uh, well I did it myself uh, that a whole load of kind of people now especially now uh know that um you know, the financial crisis is is impacting a bit. Closing down websites and, you know, spurious websites that they might have built as a hobby or whatever, a lot of them are are disappearing. I think it was Squarespace. that I was reading about Squarespace said that they are, you know, sites are closing faster than they've ever seen before. What? Really? Yeah, because people, a lot of people, you know, Set up a—I don't know. Let's just say you're uh, you're a hobbyist street photographer, and uh, you know you you've done it as a uh, as a not vanity is not the right word, but as a portfolio type place, mm. you know. And and you know it's not for money. And now suddenly you know electricity bills are going up and all that mm. kind of stuff. And you're thinking hmm, my two hundred and forty pound Squarespace bill is coming soon. Maybe I don't need that site any longer. So there's a lot of that going on. Great.
0: Well, um, I wonder though whether people will be more likely to say, "I'll keep that because I need to earn a few extra." extra pennies uh, over the yeah, this particular- but as i
1: said on the sites that aren't income earners oh you know, there's a lot of people with sites that aren't income earners yeah yeah, yeah. you know and they're, they're the ones that i think tend to be the ones going down um, what, what,
0: what do you think about the um um going back to, to mixing stuff on a website uh, I, i'm not a prude um but i've always felt a little bit i've winced slightly um when i've seen websites they have weddings and children portraiture i think you know what i'm going to say now ne- next to a big section on boudoir
1: I agree with you i don't i don't necessarily think that you know i mean there's there's a lot of great boudoir photographers out there and most of them the ones that are uh you know are worth their, their merit i think have a very very um clever entry way into the website yeah um you know so yeah i mean it's i personally wouldn't do it but people do
0: and well i mean i've seen a few instagram sites uh, of um, profiles of late where they've mixed up the boudoir and, and slightly more what should we say saucy photography <laughs> that's a very old-fashioned postcard word <laughs> uh, alongside their wedding work or landscapes or and i've always thought oh, do you know what i might i might keep those two separate
1: yeah probably
0: even, even probably. on even on a hobbyist side which isn't supposed to sound um like i'm patronizing because <laughs> there's some fantastic amateurs and hobbyists but but even on on that kind of profile keep the two separate perhaps
1: yeah i mean I, it really depends doesn't it i i i in principle i agree with you but it does depend a little bit on your target and you know you get there's a lot of really good um photographers out there who are especially female photographers mm-hmm. who are uh, you know, putting good work together to, yeah. you know, kind of empower and embrace and you know all of that stuff together. And, and so there's no, you know, we're probably not the people to say to them, you know, you, we don't recommend you those two types of images together. That's for them to decide, I suppose. But yeah. I mean, if it was me personally, big fat middle aged Kev, I wouldn't.
0: Oh, Kev, you're not
1: big, but there's, you know, there's, there, I think there's people have to make their choices don't they ultimately um but instagram i'm you know i have to say i haven't seen much of that on instagram but i know instagram's pretty brutal with its algorithm so you know you put something up that's that's remotely saucy yeah and they just whip it down again
0: right um facebook your turn okay so as you know the way to
1: get questions to us, as Neil said at the beginning of the show, is click up foodcast.co.uk or you can leave a uh, post on the Facebook group. There's a pin thread uh, right at the top. Now, two weeks ago was the last time anybody put a question in there.
0: What? Two weeks. But it has been summer, Kevin. Summer holidays. Everybody's True. been in Spain next to their swimming
1: pool. True. But that's no excuse. That's our excuse, not their excuse. Right. We expect our listeners to to be working constantly. (laughs) Feed the monster, feed the monster. monster. Anyway, as is is my little tradition, um, I will start with the most recent post two weeks ago. John Rose. Hi, Kev. Hi, Neil. Uh, Do you think with the release of the XH2S and a focus on video, that Fujifilm will give us additional LUTs for F-Log beside Eterna? I would love to see a LUT for classic Chrome or classic Neg, Uh, perhaps their own interpretation of some movie looks. I think this would give Fujifilm a huge leg up on other competitors and a great starting point for colour grading. Thank you both for such a great show. There you go. What do you think?
0: I tend to shoot fairly flat and then add um, LUTs in post-processing. So what we're suggesting here is not not doing any real post-processing and sort of having... Straight out the camera stuff, ready to go. Is that, that that's what we're talking about, isn't it? So well, you can speed so fu- speed the process up a
1: bit. Yeah. So Fujifilm do provide a LUT, um, uh, an official Fujifilm LUT, which is an eternal one, which yeah. you can get an F log, but it's for F log. Yeah. So you you shoot in F log on the camera, which is effectively raw. Um. Then you go into Premiere Pro or DaVinci Resolve or something. Yeah. You download the the eternal LUT from the Fujifilm website. And then you apply that a little bit like you would apply uh, classic Chrome. Oh, we're, like, not,
0: we're not talking about the post-processing them. I, I thought I thought he was saying, have we got something that we can use in camera so it comes out, everything's no. hunky-dory, when I, when I want to see it without doing any work on it.
1: No, so F-Log is raw, so this is all done in Premiere Pro. Now, I thought, I did think, I'm just going to check Fujifilm a uh, lot. I did think they'd done a second one. hmm I don't know. I can't even find it. So uh, if they did, it wouldn't have been classic Chrome. Um, so my my answer to that is probably we won't ever see that kind of thing from Fujifilm themselves. I think they leave that up to the third parties. You, you can, um, by the way, John, if you, if you are so kind of inclined, you can create your own LUT. So you could... Uh, the easiest way to do it, or one of the easiest ways to do it, is... Um, open up a RAW photo in Photoshop RAW, Camera RAW, apply the classic Chrome uh, Adobe emulation to that. Once that image is opened, you can then create a lookup table from within Photoshop, which you can then use in Premiere Pro. Oh. Um uh, don't know whether that would work in things like da Vinci, da Vinci Resolve, all that kind of stuff. I think they're pretty but pretty in, good at but each of that as well. it
0: as Right. Okay.
1: Um, but yes, so you could you could go ahead and do it your own do it your own way. How that would look, I don't know, <laughs> mm. but it, it's a possibility. So uh, my guess, my 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 gut feeling is no, they probably wouldn't be putting too much time and effort into that kind of stuff, like third party.
0: There's so much third party LUT production out there, though, isn't there?
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, obviously, you need the the the, the, the difference between kind of raw files and. Uh, in terms of stills and F-Log files, uh, in terms of raw video footage, is that the LUTs do typically need to be... Well, they work better if they are allocated for the particular camera they come from. So F-Log is Fujifilm Log. Uh, C-Log, is that Canon? Yeah. Presumably that's yeah, what they yeah. call it. Yeah. Um,
0: S-Log for Sony.
1: S-Log for Sony. Cl- is in the S. But anyway, they all have their own uh, raw video footage formats yes. so um yeah explore a little bit more don't I wouldn't expect Fiji film to be putting too much effort into that I might be wrong well, I
0: will tell you there's a very good com- company to go to called Motion Array you, you'll be aware of Motion Array won't you Kevin yeah, yeah 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 and uh they do well not only do they do LUTs for video they do loads of LUTs for Instagram uh, the Instagram looks etc but they Oof. have they have lots and lots of stuff for Premiere Pro yeah. one I would imagine, then uh, by extension, for other editing uh, digital stations as well, I can't see why they wouldn't cinematic LUTs. Oh, there's a fantastic one there. Blockbuster LUTs. Any LUT you could possibly want. Hallucination LUTs. What does that look like? Uh, sounds very dangerous. That it does that one. I wouldn't touch that one. Um, but yeah, that Motion Array would be a, a good place to start as well if you want to look for for if you're looking for specific kind of movie LUTs. um great michael marin did we read one from michael already no was michael so. just now oh no there was no That was marcus norman sorry uh michael marin hello neil and kev question about focusing tech i have an x100f i've been experimenting with single autofocus auto and manual both set back button focusing Usually using a focus recompose strategy, manual focusing with peaking, and zone focusing with peaking. I'm assuming that the mechanism the camera uses to create the manual focus peaking is essentially the same that it uses to determine the autofocus. If my assumption is correct, it is the case that the choice of autofocus versus various manual focus methods is really one of personal preference rather than any technical differences under the hood. Question mark. All the best, Mike Marin. I think he's sort of working through his his thoughts there isn't he but would you would you concur as they say yes I would uh
1: essentially you you've just got different options there
0: yeah
1: or uh you know if you if you're manually focusing with focus peaking on for example um you know that would be the same as manually focusing with split prism on
0: yeah
1: uh, you, you, it's just different kind of um mechanisms if you like for it to get into your brain however i would say that focus peaking isn't don't trust that within an inch of its life because um just depend a little bit also on the setting that you have for your a digital or film um depth of field scale yeah. depth of field digital or film um and that will affect a little bit the focus peaking as well because one is is kind of a little bit more accurate if you like one is a little bit more forgiving um but yes ultimately you've got lots of options you've got a lot of options in the food film range I'm listening, you're thinking,
0: in, sh- should I be trusting my my peaking when I'm filming as well, then? Or are you, are you saying... As long as it's kind
1: of in the middle, you mm-hmm. know, roughly, you know, it's... It, you know what it's like when you're filming with focus peaking. It, it, it appears sometimes that everything is in focus. Yes, when It clearly yeah. can't be. No. Um, it, I, I find it a little bit more real, not reliable, but reassuring when it's close-up stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I typically when I'm doing when I'm filming with focus peak highlighting, I normally press the rear command dial in to do a focus check.
0: Oh, do you to, right.
1: just to, to close up, and then the focus peak highlighting also stays on the focus check, so you can you can double check closer up or <laughs> be a closer up or right person <laughs> like me.
0: Yeah, on the X one hundred thing, I saw was it? I'm sure it was in our um, Facebook group the other day. That uh, X100Vs are actually exchanging hands now for more money than they are brand new because you just can't get them.
1: Yeah, what are they no. new?
0: What are they new now? What are they, Kev?
1: Uh, I don't know if what? you can even. Uh...
0: Well it should
1: be, I'm be a, looking so I'm looking on Amazon now, right? There is no new ones on Amazon. Uh I tell you well, they're going for two and a half grand on Amazon.
0: Well there we go then. Yeah.
1: Second hand. But let me have a look on the official Fujifilm film. On the
0: Fujifilm shop. I'm just going to the Fujifilm shop now. Uh, they won't
1: have them, but it'll give us a an idea of pricing. There we,
0: there we go. Well I can find a refurbished one, but that's out of stock as well. No,
1: it'll be out of stock, but it'll give you that. So the retail price.
0: £1,349 is the retail price on on an X100V. So, yeah, yeah. that's what they were saying. They were going for £2,000 plus. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Supply and demand. That's a marketplace for you. Nothing wrong with that. So why have we got to that stage with the 100 v When once upon a time you could get them really easily, and now you can't (laughs) get them at all.
1: It's not the 100 v It's all stuff. It's everything. It's everything I can't even get apart from my car. Right. It's everything, nothing the whole world is busted. That's the reason why. There you go, that's my democratic, yeah, reply to it. But no, it's just supply and de- supply. Um, I think there's still issues with the is it uh, semiconductors. Is, it chip? is it chip? Yeah, gate?
0: yeah, it's still chip,
1: semiconductor gate, shortages. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's all, all kinds of issues going on in there with, with supply chain stuff all around the world, yeah. um, for all kinds of things. So, yeah, you're lucky. I mean, if you uh, you know, and suddenly I, I saw that thread, I think, on the Facebook group, and you know, and somebody kind of said that you know, it's wrong for people to be selling them secondhand at that yeah. kind of price. Yeah. Personally, I think it's not, you know, that is economics. That's the whole point of it. You know, if you have a big demand for something that has a low supply, then the price goes up. Hence, that's what we've seen with petrol and everything and foods. We're seeing it right now with everything in our daily lives. Mm. Once there is a low supply the price is going up and that's that's real life
0: Do you have, have we got time for a qq from uh from facebook uh yeah why not albert Villaroman? villa roman it says is mm. there any hope for version two of the xf
1: 60 mil lens
0: i don't know over to you kef <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I wish. There were t- there's
0: times where i wish andreas was sitting on my lap
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh so I, I i remember sitting in a meeting mm with fujifilm i think it was in dubai actually funny enough um and the question came up you know which lenses should we should we work on a version twos of i my my i put both my hands up and both my feet up for the 18 mil um not many people not many others did actually and funny enough that was one of the ones that came through with but the 60 mil was one of the ones that was you know was popular with the yeah. other photographers yeah so I wouldn't give up hope.
0: I've got your sixty mil here.
1: Yeah, I know you got it. Yeah, Where it's a there? lovely lens. It, it, it's one this of one. the sharpest lenses that 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 Fujifilm have ever done. It was the one of the first. It was the first in the first batch of lenses they released.
0: And a metal hood.
1: But it is bloody slow to focus.
0: That's the only problem. Oh yeah, it. you can bring up your children, and send them to university in the time it takes. Yeah. But, uh, um, but it is a lovely um, lens. Uh, I'll put it down there. in the another thing I've got of Mullins is pile. <laughs> Go. Yeah.
1: So the answer is Albert. I don't know. I would like. I would like one also. Um I mean, if they could do, oh, it's got me thinking now. If they could do a sixty mil, well, yeah, I'd be happy with it. Two point four because it's still two point four, yeah. but with a, you know, it's a one to one macro that was. It it doesn't have as a macro lens is sh- you know it doesn't have to be, it doesn't need a linear motor. It doesn't have to be rocket fast. It doesn't need to, you know, it's not going to need. Doesn't need to pacify the. The Quick kids who are running around weddings shooting, you know, th- four or five thousand frames, mm. it, it you know, it needs to be quicker, <laughs> of course. But yeah, I, I would like to see a, a new one of those. Do you do a lot of macro? No, because you've got my lens.
0: <laughs> Have you not got anything at all you can do macro with?
1: <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I did you- actually, I, I did rent the um GFX macro lens. The, oh, right. I, think, okay. I think it's 110 mil. <laughs> Oh my god it was like you could cut your eyes open with it the images that that, that created and i didn't think about buying it but I, I then thought why what 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 do you need it for and the answer was nothing so i didn't
0: buy it those days of just buying stuff because you want it rather than need it kev
1: <sighs> oh. I don't know. Tell me about it.
0: right um let's um hear from our guest for for this week and i know it's a a guest you've been pursuing for a little while now so kevin I'm, I'm delighted that we have on the show Part 1 this week, Part 2 in a couple of weeks time, the multi award winning photographer and studio owner from the states Ben Christmas. Ben how are you doing?
1: It's great, thanks for having me. No worries uh, it's great to have you we've kind of toyed with back and forth messages over the years to get you on the show so it's great that you're you're finally here uh, Where are you at the moment in the world
2: I'm in I'm home in Charleston South Carolina
1: okay and uh, what's the weather like it's
2: been really rainy lately but it's sunny today which is great might yeah. be able to play tennis.
1: Oh, nice. <laughs> the benefits of uh, running your own business. So um, many of our listeners are are kind of wedding photographers. So that a lot of them will know your work and your style. And, uh, you know, you've been on the speaking circuit for a long time, etc. Um, but for those that don't, what's your what's your background? You were a newspaper reporter originally, I think, weren't you a journalist?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, like so many of us, we started in newspapers and realized we needed to make more than you know, poverty level minimum wage, and so uh, we branched out to starting shooting weddings. Erin um, was the same way; she was a journalist as well, uh, my wife, and um, yeah, that was I think left newspapers in two thousand five, two thousand six, yeah, and been going hard with weddings ever since.
1: Is that how you met?
2: It is how we were. we met at a wedding in Mexico. Um, Matt and Sol's wedding um, I think 2008 to late 2007 Um, and uh, she was a photographer in Atlanta I was in Santa Fe New Mexico and um, didn't take long for us to kind of unite and because we've we've been attached at the hip ever since.
1: Excellent excellent and so you you went from uh, newspapers to wedding was it just like a straight instant swap was how was that first wedding what how did that come about and what happened and how did that that work out?
2: Well, my friend Brett Butterstein and I were working at the same newspaper in New Mexico and we kind of hit a point where we didn't feel like we were growing that much as photographers. We kind of needed to change things up. So we kind of, you know, quit the same week um, with the idea that we would continue to do documentary work and shoot weddings at the same time. We had gone to a conference where we heard Matt Mendelson talk. And he's a former um, photojournalist as well in D.C. And he was talking about how he could make like five grand at a wedding. And that to us was absolutely insane amount of money. So we had it in the back of my mind that we would be wedding photographers. But we both wanted to go photo be war photographers like James Knockway. And I was planning on going to Iraq. Tsunami happened in Asia, Southeast Asia. So I went and photographed that instead. I ended up taking a workshop with with Naka and Gary Knight and Anthony and And that really kind of changed a lot about how I shoot. It kind of kicked my ass in a big way. Um, Even though I thought I knew what I was doing, I really didn't. And they kind of steered me in the right direction. And so after I came home from a couple months photographing the tsunami and realizing how little money I made and how much I lost, I was like, okay, I need to start shooting weddings um, right from the get-go. And I did. And um, I just had never run my own business before. You know, I was 26, 27. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize what a commitment it was to start a wedding photography business or run your own business in general and how much of it is not taking pictures. And so my friend Michael Cody at the time, he was kind of mentoring me. He's like, dude, you're never going to be able to shoot doc half the year and weddings half the year because he realized – the effort that it takes to run a business and he was right. And, um, and that's how, you know, I kind of switched from shooting journalism to just shooting weddings and running, you know, bankruptcy photography, because I literally didn't have enough time in the day to go out and shoot doc stories anymore, because they weren't paying anything and I needed to be paid for something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you mentioned, uh, Brett Buttenstein. I spent a week with him in Argent in FDF and Argentina, I think a few years back. No way. He's really? such a cool guy. Yeah. Such a cool uh, guy. He's the best. I love uh, that. It's,
2: it's just his birthday a couple of
1: days ago. Uh, yeah, I think I saw that on Facebook. I, I was only with him for like, I don't know, five days or whatever, but I, I learned a lot from him just, you know, in the bar and all that kind of stuff, you know, he was, he's a great guy. Um, so yeah. And, and so those, those kind of, um, that experience of spending time with somebody like naturally and stuff, I mean, that must have been, uh, you mentioned that it was, uh, you know, it really taught you some lessons. What's, you know, what, when you, when you see something like, uh, you know, war photojournalism and then, uh, you know, you align it with what we do as, uh, wedding photographers there are some crossovers but also obviously there is a um you know there's ethical differences and all kinds of other stuff like that but ultimately you know we are photographers and we're there to capture you know human emotions when it when it comes to your wedding photography and we'll talk about the family stuff and everything in a while but uh w- how would you describe your style if somebody said to you in five words then tell me what your wedding photography style is
2: well, first of all, I could still consider myself a documentary photographer, which is why I like weddings, because to me, they are just a natural extension of my journalism days. And when I was a journalist, I took a lot of portraits as well. I've mean, God, most of this, most of the assignments were portraits, you know, and back then we shoot a film, you go outside, hit them with a flash F8 250, and yeah, it's your portrait every, every single yeah. time. So people think that journalism is just these really documentary moments. In reality, it's a lot of portraiture. Um, and so, with weddings, I've kind of had to learn to do be a better portrait photographer. But I, the reason why I love weddings so much is it feels like I'm going on assignment. I get to be new people. I get to kind of get myself in the middle of their lives on really personal days. So, for me, like, it's, it's still really exciting. I love photographing weddings um, as much as I like photographing anything, honestly. And so, it was a very easy transition to go from thinking that I was going to be a war photographer to actually shooting a wedding because it was so immersive. And I really got to just jump in and, and shoot the way I wanted to shoot, which is basically taking all the aspects that I loved about Nakwe and a lot of Fogid and, you know, um, Alex Webb and you know, Sally Mann, all these photographers that I love so much. I would just kind of pick and choose what I loved about their work. And I applied them to wedding photography. And I've been doing that same thing ever since. You know, I still like, you know, before I shoot a wedding, I'll go look at Inferno by Nockway. And that kind of, you know, as dark as that book is, it's one of the, it's kind of like my Bible. And I go and I get you know jazzed up and i go shoot a wedding you know i go to magnum before you know i don't look at wedding photographers before i look shoot a wedding i go to magnum i go to seven um and they're the ones who kind of give me my uh my my spirit i guess
1: i always say to to my students look you know if you, you everybody's a documentary wedding photographer to a certain style even the ones that are far more editorial they do the candid elements throughout the day you know it's always happening mm-hmm. um and uh and yeah you're right you can't you, you, you know you nobody is right or wrong in terms of stylistic choices everybody does it different and they do it for whatever their clients their clients want which is which is quite correct um however there is a you know there if you take the word candid and you take the word kind of a portrait for example as the stage one of your beautiful um you know well-lit kind of wonderful portraits and then the candid elements on the day may be um, during the cocktails or whatever, do, do you have a preference? Do you prefer that kind of uh, nitty gritty of the candid work, or do you prefer the uh, you know the more kind of uh, work where you're setting up lights and all of that kind of stuff?
2: Oh, I certainly don't like shooting all the lights and things like that. If I had a choice, I would just shoot. Basically, you know, I think more like you do without a flash and pure documentary. I just can't get away with doing that over here. People, people want the, you know, the big epic portraits. I mean, that's what people hire us for the, the documentary work and the big crazy little people shots. Um, and I really like doing those because those I feel very creative to me. Um, and I've, we've gotten to a point where we can, we can bang out the straightforward portraits really fast. So we can really concentrate on getting. The bigger shots, the more epic shots that people expect. Because even though we we might have a couple who we think are straightforward, at the end of the day, they're saying, "Oh, they'll reference some picture that was really abstract," and we're like, "Okay, all right, that's what they want too," and we didn't expect it. But we've gotten to the point where we know we've got to do it every single time, and that's kind of the challenge. Is you know, because a lot of the places that we shoot don't, like where I'm coming from in Santa Fe, where we had big open skies and beautiful light, it was much easier for me to go in and take those types of portraits. A lot of times we're shooting in more like, you know, confined spaces. So we have to use a little bit more abstraction, you know, shooting through things um, to kind of get these more creative shots that people are looking for.
1: Yeah. And ultimately, you know, the sign of a good business is delivering stuff that Clients want and, and and that's an interesting point about you know you say that over here people kind of want the the, the, the different styles, which makes perfect sense because you know in, in in rusty old England where we've got castles and dark caves as as uh, uh, hotel rooms for weddings, uh, you know. Places do exist, but obviously in, in in parts of the world where you have these beautiful backdrops, of course, it's going to be a, uh, it's almost like a cultural thing, you know, when they want their wedding pictures or they want their, uh, you, you know, their, their engagement pictures, they want to use that backdrop and makes perfect sense. Um, I speak to people from America quite often um, and they say, you know, I want to do it like you, Kev, I want to just do 100% documentary. But they, they really find that challenging. And you, you've just kind of affirmed that that it's uh, it's kind of like the the places that you live and the people that are there, uh they have their own you know understanding of what wedding photography is. Um and and that kind of brings me on to the business point because you're as much as you are a very, very good photographer, you're also a phenomenally successful business. Um, and I say partnership because it's you and Erin, of course. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, yeah, and the other guys, and you, you've got um, people working for you in different countries, I believe. Uh, so the studio itself, tell me about the studio. How has that progressed? How has that become this, this uh, you know, blossomed from where you were to this this kind of multi-co- multi-country business, if you like?
2: Well, it started pretty humble, and honestly, it is still pretty humble. Um, it looks, you know, at Christmas Studios, I think probably looks bigger than it is when it's really just, you know, the six of us and we're like a tight little family. Um, I started, like, working out of my garage. Then I met Aaron, and then... When we moved to San Francisco, we looked for an intern and we just happened to uh, get two amazing guys, um, Aaron Morris and Mauricio Adias, who were only a week apart in age. Um, And they were basically, I mean, they became our brothers instantly. They would basically live at our house, spend a year doing Lightroom work, kind of learning how we shoot. And then we just kind of said, here you go. I mean, I've taught a lot of workshops. I've never taught those two guys anything. I've never taught them. I never sat them down. They just kind of absorbed what they wanted to do. Um, Mauricio was really good at just getting on YouTube and learning how to do things on YouTube. And, you know, they were 20 years old, 21 years old. And so they started shooting for us. Um, and then we had Dave Getschman, uh, We had JVS on team um, for a little while. And it, now, you know, it's, it's, you know, Mauricio is living in Italy because we were teaching in a workshop at Graffi, and he fell in love with um the owner's daughter and they ended up he ended up moving <laughs> to italy and they have a beautiful kid now um, uh, luna and oh, beautiful um,
1: story that's amazing yeah
2: so it's like you know it feels it's international but it's really he just he fell in love and, and, and moved to italy um ryan's in san francisco vlad is in um, santa fe new mexico and then we've, and Matt Legault's here with us in Charleston. So it's, it's a good team and it's, and we can, you know, people can throw about anything at us and we can handle it.
1: Good, good, good. How was, um, how was the whole COVID thing for the business? Well, how did you manage to get through that?
2: We never stopped working. Um, we were right. We also had a, a portrait studio at the time and uh, we stayed busy through that. Even when things shut down, And the roads were empty, like the three of us, four of us were like running around Charleston, shooting like front step stories, you know, basically for free. Um, And but what that happened was it kind of kept our our momentum up. So when COVID restrictions kind of loosened here in Charleston, those people that we had done a free portrait shoot on the front steps started calling us and we started shooting them for real like with real for real money like our normal pricing and so we and that was one thing our our business partner Raheel was really smart about like he really pushed us to like not shut down to get out of the house continue shooting and that really kind of carried us through Um, I mean last year was has been our best year like was like a peak year for us we did it was amazing um and that was versus 2020 which kind of was awful um and we didn't make as much money but we never stopped shooting and i was really proud of us for not quitting um it you know, there are benefits of living in a Republican state sometimes <laughs> and yeah. because they didn't really stop like versus when I would, because f- we continue to fly throughout COVID, like with weddings in New York and San Francisco, more elopements. And when I would go to San Francisco, it was like the whole world had ended. People mm-hmm. were like really scared of each other, but you come to Charleston and everyone's at the bars. So, you know, there's good and bad to both sides. Um but uh we we just kind of pushed through. I mean financially it wasn't covid wasn't great, but luckily the you know the government gave up, gave us you know PPP money and things like that so we survived fine and then we just kind of you know yeah. as soon as we you know we we kept going.
1: Yeah, I think that's a it's a familiar story about last year. I mean, I, uh, for us I think in the UK we we were pretty much back to uh allowing weddings and stuff kind of september time and that september to uh the end of the year was just crazy you know it was catch up weddings mm-hmm. all over the place it was busy everybody did a year's worth of work in like 4 months right um, you know it, it, it was it was brutal um but but still talking a little bit about kind of the, uh, the economics of business and stuff right now i think the whole world is uh you know is kind of facing this this um this profit of doom of recessions and you know rising bills and economy problems and everything Uh, are you noticing anything in your future bookings is there is that having a uh, an impact do you think in terms of maybe less inquiries or less or people wanting to uh pay a little bit less i know that's definitely the case in the uk
2: honestly i don't know weddings are so weird man we i mean we've we started really hard in january um, we got, we ended up getting COVID in January in Antigua, um, or in Costa Rica. And then we ended up in Antigua and we had, we ended up losing like our biggest job we've ever had because we got COVID. So that was awful. Mm-hmm. Um, but after that, we have been on the road constantly until about three weeks ago and we're home and, and to, uh, home for a little bit. I've got to go to New York next week. And, and, and I go back to every fall, I go to San Francisco and do a lot of shoots for all our past clients, which is, that's honestly kept us a float more than even weddings is, um, learning how to do family photography and doing it in our way. Um, and so that's really helped because the, I don't know what's going on weddings. Weddings are hitting this, um, you know, we don't shoot much in Charleston. So we really rely on getting on airplanes a lot and, you know, for better, or for worse, it's an awful business model, but it makes life more fun than shooting at yeah. the same place every time. Um, you know, weddings. You know, for uh, we tend to get booked more last minute, so we don't. Next year is pretty wide open. Like, you know, and that's generally how it always has been for us. People, people with money tend to think they can book everything regardless of time, <laughs> and so, um, so that has always happened to us a lot. We don't get the brides that book us two years out or a year and a half out. Yeah, we are right. always last minute
1: yeah no that's good that's good so uh talking about the family photography and you said you know you do the family photography in our style in our own particular way what, what is that way do you think
2: well first of all we made the huge mistake you know for 10-15 years where you know we would have we photograph a couple's wedding and then they'd have a kid and they'd write us like hey you know do yeah. you want to do this you know and we'd say no 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 uh, we well, would pass them on to anna Cooperberg or somebody who did do families um and, you know, that was really dumb <laughs> because, <laughs> because we really like, first of all, staying in touch with people and kind of growing up with them and, and getting to see we're very interested in our clients. We really like them as friends. And um, two, financially, that was dumb. We were just so busy back then that we were, because Aaron and I were flying out almost every single weekend, we would fly home, try to get the wedding done as fast as possible, and then we'd have to fly back out. So we didn't really have the, the capacity to do a lot of shoots. Um, locally um but then when we had a kid we consciously said okay we want to stay home that's when we created the portrait studio with Raheel and so and then we also um started learning from a guy named Steve Saperito in Australia and he really kind of changed everything how we do how we do things and learning to sell products you know albums and wall arts um, wall art being the key not being shoot and burn and um and that has like that honestly saved our lives through COVID because we weren't shooting a ton of weddings through COVID, but we were shooting a ton of families. Yeah. And and the families are, are great because they already trust you. And people, you know, when they get married, they generally have the least amount of money they're ever going to have. Because, and they're not only because they're not as, you know, their careers haven't evolved as much, but also they're giving money to so many different people. But once they have a family, there's nothing more important than that. They usually gotten raises, promotions, they have different jobs, they have more money and disposable income than they did at a wedding. So they're much more easy to spend five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars on a family session. We, you know, versus a wedding, you know, it happens so much. I and mean, we can, you know, make 10 grand at a wedding, but then we shoot one family session that's, you know, an hour or two long, we make the same amount of money. So it the families are really been key to our, you know, our sanity in our bank account in the
1: last yeah. few years. oh that sounds amazing i mean when you said five ten fifteen grand for a family shoot i can imagine all of the uk photographers got fainting listening to that uh you know that's that's good figures good numbers um
2: uh, i mean that's kind of the normal i mean f- five grand's kind of the minimum
1: and and so and that's based on product essentially wall art mostly
2: um it depends like so we have a digital file package that's 4500 for the family session so people can either buy an individual digital file they can buy a set of them for uh, 2450 or the complete set of high-res files for 4500 whatever the complete set is sometimes that's 70 photos sometimes it's 200 depending on the shoot and then they can buy you know prints on top of that or um So, and the thing is, we're actually giving them real stuff that they see every day, so they appreciate it. It's not just, you know, money going out the window, it's like, you know, there's nothing more important than your kids, absolutely. um, but of course there's no obligation, so they pay a very small fee up front, like $450 for the shoot, and so the pressure is all on us to do a good job. If we don't do a good job, then there's nothing that they want bad enough to purchase it. So in going back to how we shoot it, we shoot it like the wedding. You know We try to be, do a lot of candidates, but we always try to get these really kind of crazy, more epic, abstract, creative portraits of the family. Um, that's really hard sometimes when it's big groups, like 15 people, like you know those are harder on me. Mu- I would much rather shoot one family that's got you know two or three kids, one kid, something like that than you know. you know extended family all come into the beach for you know a family vacation right
0: part two of that interview coming up in two weeks time now that we've gone bi-monthly which means kev every
1: (laughs) twice a month once every two weeks uh, every day (laughs) six (laughs) weeks
0: a month right pick time of uh kindly picked us up and they're they're supporting us which is very kind of them and and it's a product that you and i use kev so it's not the sort of thing that we're promoting without any understanding or use of it we both use it we've both been using it for years now literally years and i have to say when i first started using PickTime, my sales did go up and i think that's that's because of the the presentation this really um, fantastic presentation of your images online but but you use it in, a, in a, a slightly more technical fashion than me, and I could learn a trick or two from you.
1: Yeah, well, I guess, I mean, there's two there's two added strands to pick time. Mean, it's more than just a gallery, of course. They actually have this element called art galleries, which is amazing for those people who aren't necessarily, you know, wedding photographers or, you know, kind of street photographers or anything like that, where you can just have a gallery in your website. I use it in my f16.clip, where people can just click on this page. It's fully integrated into the website, and they can buy prints. Simple as that. They can buy um, prints of my travels. They can uh, buy some of my Botanica prints. And they
0: sell. And it's great. And it's fully automated. So, uh, in that you use this differently to me, clearly, in the, in this respect, that looks like an integral part of your F16 website, not like you're being taken away from it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Ah. So, the art galleries, they, they provide a, an embed code. You just plop it in. <gasps> uh, and it just looks like it's part of your website. I had
0: no idea. Uh, seriously. <laughs> It might sound like an advert, an advertorial or whatever, but I had no idea that that's the way it happened on F16 for you.
1: Yeah, our galleries, ah. and it's all included. And of course, you know, you mentioned the sales, and I think that's probably the the big power of pick time is the automations. And uh, what really works for me, and I don't know how you use it, Neil, but the what really works for me is I, I give my clients and I give their guests a certain period of time where they have a discount. So again, it's all automated. I have all my packages set up. I have two kind of best book packages package one package two which is a combination of products and for the first 10 days i'll have a little banner that comes up on the shop that says you know 10 percent off with this code for the next 10 days next nine days next eight days and it's brilliant really really cool and it does really genuinely drive sales and and the clever thing the cleverest thing really about it all is that they have these automation apps effectively so you could for example you could embed a anniversary app and automatically around about the time of the anniversary it's going to start emailing clients and oh, say, hey, yeah. remember it's your anniversary. Yeah. This use this code to get ten percent off, or just remember to buy your, you know, your album or your yeah. prints or whatever. Yeah. And, of course, a lot of people use it for Black Friday sales, at Christmas time. Portrait photographers especially will be using it at that time. Uh, really,
0: really, really, really very, very clever. I need to start using the the automated part of it more. I know. Well, we shall discuss it a little bit more over, I'm the, sure coming over the coming months. Right. If you want to um, to try out Pick Time, then you go to pick-time.com. There is a code, Kev, isn't there?
1: There is, indeed. Fujicast. All uppercase, Fujicast. That will give you one month free.
0: Perfect. <laughs> um, right, back to your questions. We've got Zena of the Week coming so did post to well, say
1: I was right, though.
0: About what?
1: About that bi-monthly thing. It means it can be both. It could mean twice a month right, or every other month.
0: No, it's twice a month, Kev.
1: No, somebody posted. Well just because somebody,
0: somebody posted, I, I'm not <laughs> I <was> like <laughs> look I'm gonna, I'm gonna find it. No, I'm gonna you, find it. You find it in look, I'm gonna write. What what does by monthly mean? Right, okay. Done, produced or occurring twice a month or every two months. Oh. Ah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> Uh, there we go. So that means
1: we can do it. We're doing the next one in November.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: oh, no. Well, I, I take my hat off. I, I'm wrong. What's the point of having a mind if you can't change it? Is the phrase. Is oh, yeah. Language
1: is a very complicated thing, isn't mm. it? Why did they invent that terminology? Why, why why didn't they just leave it at every two weeks? Yeah, yeah. Somebody Why, should why have did have said some no, clever clogs yeah. have to come along and yeah, shorten yeah. it, and yeah. give it an acronym? Mm. Is it an acro- anachronism? Mm. I mean?
0: No. It's in a, uh, Well, it's an adjective, isn't it, bi-monthly? Oh,
1: don't, don't start it, me on adjective. Or is it an
0: adverb? <laughs> do
1: know. Is it a, a pronoun?
0: No. <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> should we go back to questions quickly? <laughs> Gareth Lines. You'll be getting lines. Um, mm-hmm. Hi, both. Question, what do you guys use? Lightroom CC or Lightroom Classic? And for what reason? I have Classic, but not used it. I see a lot of photographers who use Classic for their workflow. Kind regards from Gareth. Oh, that was short and sweet um classic or, or lightroom cc god you know what what do i use i just hit the icon kev and it works and it has your pro- presets on it
1: <laughs> they work lightroom. uh well i use both effectively so lightroom classic is your is your old-fashioned grown-up version of lightroom yeah. that used to be called lightroom another thing don't be really confused the pants of everybody by yeah. changing these names yeah. uh the nomenclature of it all went wrong um i think i use Light- lightroom
0: classic no, no, no. Lightroom
1: Classic is yeah if you can uh, like if you can do smart collections and all that kind of stuff that's your Lightroom Classic. Oh, Classic then. Yeah, you got Lightroom Classic. And then Lightroom CC is is your kind of cut down streamlined version which is much more aligned to the Lightroom mobile app that you might be using.
0: Yes, I use the um, mobile app all the time. It's brilliant.
1: Yeah, so I, I use I use a bit of both really so I have my Lightroom Classic is my main workhorse. Yeah. One and then Lightroom CC I use for all of my personal stuff, so all the stuff from Spain and everything went in there, and then that gets synced to my Adobe account and all of that good stuff goes on in there. Yeah. Um, but Lightroom Classic is my is my workhorse.
0: There we go, Gareth. Right, Facebook. Now we we are going to need more Facebook. Now we're now we're bi-monthly, which is not every other month, by the way, uh, but every other week. We're going to need some more um, in because Kev looks after the uh, the Facebook group one, so. We're going to need more Facebook. More Facebook, please.
1: Okay, so I've got a question here from jor Gates. Hi, uh, from Chicago. Uh, Kevin Neal, I would love to know if the XH2S can store video settings with the c1 c2 c3 parts of the spinny dial i'm going to call it a spinny dial from now on i love it that's much better name for it the spinny dial
0: spinny dial yes it
1: can can't it
0: yeah do you know what a spinny is um it's something that grandmother used to use years ago to to make clothing it's a tree is it yeah oh that's why roads are called uh, the spinny because it would have been trees
1: uh, you, you, right, the reason why I know that is because I lived in, my parents still live there, Cherry Tree Close. Right. And next the street the next spinny. door was called The Spinny. Yeah, we
0: live next to, ah, in Beechwood Close in Hartford, next to The Spinny. Yeah, there we go. Yeah,
1: yeah. Ah, oh, um, well, that'll be why. Anyway, so Jor-El, uh custom settings on the Spinny dial. I'm really hoping that it has the ability to save all the video settings so you end up with C1 being your 4K 60p Eterna setting then have C2 be your 180, 220 frames per second with classic Chrome, and so on. The Panasonic cameras have done it for ages, good yeah. old Panasonic, and I was hoping that they would finally build something similar into the Fujifilm cameras. that all, all have the PASM dial. Thanks either way. My I've not looked into this, but my my spidey sense says yes.
0: Yes, it
1: is, yeah. Uh, I've done no video in on my X-H2S yet. Yeah. I haven't
0: have yet, no. No, I've not done one thing. Uh, I took the camera out the other day to do some video work, and guess what I took? What? X-H1. <laughs> oh. (laughs) And I thought, oh, I know, it's all set up for video. I'll just take that out quickly and get it done. That's like going out for a posh meal with the ex wife. (laughs) (laughs) What was the point? (laughs) Okay i never thought of it that way but now you mention it <laughs> well what, what, um, what does that say for me then i had two x <laughs> I, I had two xh1s is that legal <laughs> uh well, i
1: had an xh1 then in that case and i've got two xh2s's <laughs>
0: I, this is the way now we shall refer to our previous marriages kev xh1 xh2s <laughs> um
1: yeah so the answer is i think yes um, but I, I, I am putting the, the word think in front because I've not tried it. I, I, I'm pretty sure. All
0: right. I'm pretty over, sure. I can't get over the XH1 uh, analogy now. Matthew Larkin. Hi, Neil. Hi, Kev. I'm a recent listener, yada yada, and you've mentioned you're in needed questions. Yes, we always are. Uh, I have one regarding the old 23mm 1.4 with clutch manual focus. Ah, oh, yes. Here's my conundrum. I prefer to keep focus mode in manual and use back button focus when desired as this prevents autofocus during half depressed shutter. However, to use manual focus at all with a 23, I need to also engage the clutch. And this seems to disable the back button focus. Now you're a back button focuser, Kev, so you might've come across this. It appears I can use back button focus if I switch to single focus mode, but as I mentioned, I really prefer to keep the focus mode in manual, and I don't like the idea of switching the camera's focus mode back and forth every time I want to use the back button focus on the 23. Have you run into this problem, or am I perhaps overlooking something? Perhaps Kev, uh, perhaps Kev will say, there's a PS on this, just trade it in for the new 18mm. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: yeah, so the original 23 did have a clutch, and so did the original 14 yeah. Um short-lived technology I would say the clutch because it only made it on those two lenses and it was basically for that reason so you will you will have to go into manual focus mode and use back button focusing doesn't matter where the clutch is at that point but if you like to have it in single shot mode and then use the clutch forward and back then yes the back button focusing will not work so I always used I used that 23 mil with the clutch for like forever Uh, you know I I used it from the moment it was born to the moment it died um well it's not dead it's in my cupboard but um To the moment I stopped using it, and uh, yes, you, you you just need to kind of understand that that clutch is, is yeah. slightly different.
0: Why was the uh, the clutch was it was it a pro- a problem lens Was it something they thought nobody really likes this? What's the point? Is it t- um, does it make it too complex in manufacturing process?
1: Or- yeah, I don't know why they why they ditched it. Probably, possibly because. Uh, weather ceiling, I don't know, technology, I just don't know, I, I no. don't know, but it, it only came on those two lenses and never came back. No. So, um don't know. Never to be seen again. The bloke what made those maybe went off to start designing the spinny dials.
0: <laughs> right, let's have the book of the week. Now, it's not a book of the week this week, it's, it's a zine of the week, but it's not called a zine of the week because you don't like that title, so it is the pamphlet of the, the um, supremely posh pamphlet of the week. <laughs>
1: Posh pamphlet of the week. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um okay, so uh we have uh, a friend of mine actually. He's um I met him a couple of times. Uh, he lives in Mexico. Uh friend of the show, uh Luis Alberto Padilla Gonzalez oh there we go beautiful a, name isn't it yeah, beautiful. beautiful name and he's a beautiful man uh and he's a wonderful photographer so he sent us um posh pamphlet of some work from a a collective called hyperfocals right um, of which he's, I'm gonna, he's look, I'm gonna
0: look them up while, while you're talking about hyperfocals
1: hyperfocal so you'll need to look it up on instagram h-i-p-e-r-f-o-c-a-l-e-s kind of street photography collective of which he is one member and the founder in fact so this little um posh pamphlet is oh. a collection of work from all of those people so we have uh we have him uh louis is uh, page 29 to page 39 then you've got uh ricardo garcia manio hector munoz uh Jureta, juan carlos arrez garcia and uh it's lovely it's really really nice and uh the one he did send us a couple of prints as well so when i see you next i will um I will give those to you. I will give you the, the posh pamphlet and the print. And it's a lovely little kind of A5 softback really, really simply designed. There's no, there's no text or bump or anything like that. It's just a little introduction at the beginning with the titles of the of the shots. And each of them are very different. Each, each photographer has a, a very different style. You know, there's a lot of, uh, some of the work I can see where they focus a lot on kind of color and textures. Some are a little bit more along the lines of people and, uh, you know, emotions, interactions, but some really, really clever and, and beautiful kind of juxtapositions. I don't know whether you can get this book Um, i have to say whether it's available or not but i am going to point you at lewis uh lewis's instagram which is l-u-i-s-p-a-g-l-e-z l-u-i-s-p-a-g-l-e-z and if you do nothing else but you like street photography, go yeah. to that Instagram account and hit follow and like a couple of the shots because it is wonderful. It's a really beautiful feed on Lewis's Instagram. But yeah, I mean, it's it's you know I'm looking at if I concentrate on Lewis's ones, why not? Because he's the one who sent it to us. Yeah. Page twenty nine onwards. <laughs> Lewis was one of those. Pe- Lewis was one of those people that he came on one of my workshops in London a few years ago. And uh, well, all know, the way from, is, Mexico. All from Mexico. All the way from Mexico. I like to think he was doing a little European road trip. Oh. Oh. Is one of those ones where, you know, we kind of review. Uh, in fairness, I don't really take many images on my workshops because I'm too busy kind of organizing and, and sorting and stuff like that. Yeah. We did the review afterwards. We went to, a, I think we went to the Pheasant Pub in um, by Liverpool Street Station, if oh, I remember yeah. rightly. Yeah, yeah. We got the laptop, so he, I think he whipped out his iPad, whatever, did, you know, five minutes editing, and then produced these, like, ten... <laughs> incredible drop. <laughs> I'm like, are you sure you've been with us today? You know, you know, you haven't been away with, uh, you know, like on a Magnum Foundation course or something, but, you know, this afternoon. But yeah, just beautiful. Um, black and white is uh, Lewis's kind of favourite style, I would say, in yeah. terms of, if you look at his Instagram feed, but also the images in this posh pamphlet. Oh,
0: posh pamphlet. What is his uh, Instagram feed again? Just
1: L-U-I-S L-U-I-S P-A-G-L-E-Z Because I didn't
0: grab it first time i've got it now yes
1: and, and hyper vocals is the uh, yeah, yeah i've got uh,
0: hyper yeah
1: so yeah so there you go uh you will have to contact lewis i would imagine if you're in mexico or that part of the world then perhaps there's availability of these uh posh pamphlets they yeah. are really beautiful i really like them i love these uh, i you know i'd love to i want uh i'll never do it because i just never get around to this kind of stuff i would love to produce something like this it's so well
0: well it, no, that's I'll funny produce. because i was just about to say kev you have a great body of work well, you've got a great body as well, obviously, but but you've got a great bo- body of work, and I just think I I wonder whether it could be a twenty twenty. What are we next year? We're we three or twenty four. Where are we? Twenty three. I'm fifty
1: next year. Yeah, I know. I told you. you that already.
0: No, I'm not twenty. I meant the year twenty twenty three. So, is it kind of a project that you could? could see through for a year
1: maybe so i've got other pamphlets. things i need to do first Well, <laughs> More pro- you, you, pressing, but you, yeah
0: you, you seem sorted to me and I mean, you're going to take eight weeks off in the summer so it, can't, <laughs> it you're <laughs> sorted you're 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 organized mullins
1: yeah i don't know i uh, yeah uh, this kind of thing is you know i well f- for example i know that uh, louis has been messaging me on um whatsapp's Saying, mm. you know, it's nearly done, I'll, I'm going to get it ready and, and it took a while So mm. whether there was production issues Or whether there was, uh, you know, just kind of editorial issues don't know But yeah, it's not an easy thing to do, is it? If you look at um, Thingy Majiggy off uh, off YouTube What's his name? It does the book every year Sean Tucker Yes, yeah. Sean You know, it's not an e- a quick, easy thing for to do that every year so um, there has to be a return for it, uh, yeah. or, or yeah, it doesn't have to be a return for it. Like in, in Lewis's case, I would imagine he's done it for the love of it. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, have a look. Uh, Luis Alberto Padilla-Gonzalez, L-U-I-S-P-A-G-L-E-Z on Instagram. We will, of course, link in the
0: show notes. He has a beautiful inquiring um, eye. Oh, yeah. I mean, his,
1: right. his, his images are just, you know, subtly nice. They're clever. There's a little bit of on-camera flash. There's a little bit of um clever movement. You know, what they call it in
0: intentional camera movement.
1: Um it's a, I love the way that he can he, he shoots through rainy windows. Yes, I've seen.
0: Yeah, that that's that's a feature of his work. There's one here that looks like it's from New York. I'm not sure. Yeah, I
1: think he's well-travelled. Yeah. yeah.
0: Oh yes, yeah, uh, so, certainly on here. I've so, found some of his London work. And there's oh, there's one that looks like an eyebrow. Is that you, Kev?
1: It <laughs> might be. Oh no, it's a fly
0: on a window. Is it a massive library? <laughs> it's, it's it's huge. It's got wings. <laughs> yeah, but he does have this wonderful inquiring uh, mind and, and yeah. eye, and I wonder if that comes from shooting in in because here's one on I, I recognise the station straight away. I'm Paddington, Paddington Station. I wouldn't yeah. think to shoot that particular shot because it's a scene I see every time I go to London, and it doesn't feel particularly special to me. But he's mm. made it. He's made it look special. But yeah, that's true. That's the thing about street work, though, isn't it?
1: Well, it's very subjective, and also, you know, it's some people may look at this and think, "Mm, "Not for me." But I think a lot of people, if you if you look closely enough at it, then I think you'll see some stuff that you, you know, you you think, "Wow, yeah, that's very very." He does love a good
0: rainy day, though. I'll give you that. There's the
1: Bank of England Junction. We spent a lot of time there. I spent a lot of time
0: with you there as well. Casing the joint, isn't it? Casing the
1: (laughs) Bank of England. Yeah, it's brilliant. (laughs) We got that's the only place I've ever been chucked off the pavement. Is
0: it? (laughs) <laughs> Why were you chucked off the pavement? Is, are you not well, photograph there
1: uh, officially? You know the Bank of England. So the Bank of England is is not on the island at the Bank of England Junction. No, it's uh, not. No, it's it's on the left hand side, and so yeah. the pavement around the Bank of England is owned by the Bank of England. Uh, so technically, it's not private. It's not public land. Oh, so we, I didn't we, know we were that. there, right. and the guy came out, and he goes, uh, "What are you doing?" He's like, oh, just doing a workshop for photography workshop. He said, oh, right, okay. He said, well, you know, just so you know, you can't take pictures here. But if you want to take pictures of the bank, the best thing is to go across the island to take pictures of the bank. <laughs> I was like, yeah, thanks. Um, That's I was very kind of you. Liz. He was only doing his job, bless yeah, him, yeah. you know, and
0: then we, he had to chat about the cameras. But. Oh, did he? <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Um, so we'll put links to that on the uh, on the show page today. I love, um, I mean, uh, his, his personal Instagram feed. Fantastic. We must put a link to that as well. Yeah, we will. Yeah. Right. Back to questions. Um, will Colin? Hi, Neil. Hi, Kef. I wonder what your views are, the rights and wrongs of editing. Uh, Since we talked about Lightroom just a moment ago, specifically, do you aim for your edits to look natural with no obvious signs that the photos had any work done? Or do you think it's okay to amp it up in order to create a striking or interesting image, even if the viewer would know that it uh, kind of looked like this in real life? I ask the question because I think I'm in the former camp, though I suspect I stray into the latter. Occasionally, I come across other people's photos where there's a glaring halo along high contrast edges. Such as buildings and the bright sky. They've obviously maxed out the clarity or structure, and in my humble opinion, if that if it's that obvious, then it's too much. But I'm certainly guilty of other trickery like cloning out inconvenient detail or desaturating the colour out of distracting elements in the frame. Oh I hold my hand up guilty as charge with that one. Uh, I found that once I've done editing a shot, I'll leave it for ten minutes. Come back, I often find it. If it looks overdone, I have to dial down the changes that I've made. How do you know when you've done enough but not too much? Thanks for the great show, as ever. With best wishes, Will Colin. Um, I, I, I'm I'm sort of smiling a bit there, Kev, because the desaturating of colour is something I do a lot if I don't want something in the background to be distracting.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, everybody, it's up to themselves, isn't it? I don't, I don't think it would ever even cross my mind to desaturate colour, maybe, but something I'm, I'm now suddenly thinking, oh, actually, yeah. Well, it's only sense.
0: because so often, um, I mean, particularly in weddings, there's always the guest that turned up in the very bright outfit, which looks fantastic, of course, but it does sometimes all you can see is the guest in the very bright outfit in mm-hmm. the back of the shot. And I'm thinking, and I dial that down a bit because really what I want people to notice is this in the foreground. I don't want your eyes to say oh who's that in the background with the really bright clothing
1: yeah 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 yeah. no absolutely i i so i the way that i do it is i i never ever like clone things out distracting things whatever I, i just don't i don't edit like that at all i don't it's not up to me to say that's right or wrong. It's just the way that I do it personally. You know, I'm, a lot of my images are black and white, so they're clearly edited. There's not, you know, it's about yeah. as far from the truth as you can possibly get black and white, isn't it? Well, particularly when, um, when it
0: has your very contrasty preset yeah, exactly. um, that, that you run. I mean, that that's that's not even turning into um, gentle black and white, is it? That's boom.
1: No, I don't like those those insipid grey salad salad of
0: grey. I call them.
1: Yeah, I don't like those. Um, But again, it's personal choice. So I like my I like I try and make my images look filmic. So my black and white certainly filmic. um, My colours to a certain extent as well. But yeah, as natural as possible. I don't I don't tend to you know like I said I don't I don't delete bins and exit signs and all that kind of stuff. I'll, I'll do my best when I'm shooting to mitigate that. But if they're there, they're there. But yeah, it's it's entirely, you know, yes, I also have seen some horrendous images um, where you just think, my God, how how, how can that even have got past the, the naked eye? But, you know, it's all a learning curve, isn't it? And, uh, you know, I, I have no doubt that if I look back at my, well, I often do look back at my first set of weddings and, uh, you know, and then you think, wow. In fact, on my workshop, on my, work, my wedding workshop, I we spend the first kind of half hour going through pictures from my first ever wedding.
0: I did man, love that, are. actually, on the uh, – was it Bath where you did that? You did your your talk, and it was uh, yeah. my, my sh**test wedding talk or something. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> my, my first yeah, wedding, yeah. yeah. but well, with but, no, you know, no but, disrespect, obviously, to the clients whose wedding you shot. No, 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 absolutely,
1: and at the time, I liked it. And, and yeah, yeah I mean, there was a clear – you know, the clarity slider to me was like,
0: woo look at this. It's was oh, like man. having a,
1: a new button in the car, wasn't it? It was like, wow, look yeah, at that. Are, um, so yeah, it's, it, but it's very subjective, isn't it? And I, I do, I, when it comes to weddings, at least I, I work off the mantra that I want my pick, I want people to be able to pick these pictures up in 50, 60, 70, 80 years time, grandkids and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and see the picture rather than think, oh, my God, what the earth was the fashion in those days in terms of, you know, photography style. You know, if you look at like the 80s, pictures in the 80s where they used to do those um, creative shots through champagne glasses. Oh, yeah. The bride and groom <laughs> stood by the cake with the champagne glasses yeah. and things like that. And then white vignettes. Um, which was all the rage but that's that's the equivalent of instagram filters now isn't it you know so try and i try and keep it as natural as possible but your mileage
0: may vary i wonder whether one day in the not too distant future somebody will look at those photographs where people went through that period of editing a dinosaur into the <laughs> into the shot.
1: well yeah and also i know i'm gonna upset a load of people now oh no but stand those, by.
0: hold on hold on
1: those smoke cans
0: oh yes
1: you know, when when the grandkids look at those pictures, they're going to think they got married in the middle of the, a nuclear war. You know, what? it's like, why, why on earth was grandma and granddad holding a paint can yeah. with smoke billowing out of it? Was it like, you know, some kind of emergency going on?
0: I did get asked to do that uh, once, to, to do some shots, and then the boys didn't bring them in the end for their wedding. But that was the closest I've ever got to the smoke can.
1: I know some people love it, and you know, like I said, I know I will upset people by saying that, um, and it's (laughs) it's entirely—it's entirely your because of
0: the authenticity uh, that (laughs) that you know you wouldn't say, darling, let's go shopping at Tesco. Have you remember the smoke cans? Would you just bring those out with you?
1: I just you know it's a stylistic thing, isn't it? As well, I think that yeah, you know, I like I say to my clients, look, I want I want my pictures to uh, to be an authentic representation of what happened at your wedding yes it's not a fairy tale it's not a a stage production it's what happened and that that manifests itself throughout the editing as well um but yes i mean we've seen all kinds of weird and wacky things like say the dinosaurs the smoke cans uh you know another one is is those um different vignettes and all sorts of stuff but but like i say it and also you know it can come down to a marketing and a financial thing some people you know if you're happy to do that the smoke cans and your clients want that and they're willing to pay you for it and you're willing to run the risk of setting them on fire then (laughs) go for it but is that what
0: you say to dissuade people i've
1: never ever nobody has ever asked me ever
0: well what if what if for example um in fact no i might i might save this i'm gonna i'm gonna write this down cliche photographs and we're going to discuss that as our patron only show next next monday okay i've just written that down little idea there i want to continue this conversation because i've got some questions to ask you and how you would how you kev would deal with some of these moments okay okay right um do we have a qq on uh on facebook or it doesn't have to be a qq just a question kevin
1: yeah okay i've got one from mike wootton um all the way from australia
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh hi kev neil uh just watching john branch's review of the xh2s yeah and he reviewed purely on its stills performance that got me thinking i never have and probably never will do video if a camera was to produ- be produced with stills only i.e the xh2s would it be significantly cheaper to produce would there be a few potential customers out there who don't need video but want the capabilities of the camera for stills? He I also tagged know. in Andreas uh, at yeah. that point, who did uh, reply. Did so Andreas read, say I'll something about ma-
0: marketing? Probably didn't he? Uh, I'll, I'll,
1: I'll read out his reply because it, it makes it makes sense. Yes. Um, we've been asked this before, and people assume there would be a massive cost saving, but that's yeah. not the case. Yeah. My analogy is as follows: Andreas is the king of analogies. I use an iPad for viewing videos and web browsing. However, it can also do hundreds of other things. If I could buy an iPad that did less, would it be cheaper? No, is Mm. the answer. Um, Yeah, and and the fact is, you know, it's the reason why, you know, if you look in car, if you're in a car, right, you've got a car, it's got three levels. Mm. You've got like a level one, level two, level three, and you buy a level one car, you see all of the little gaps and spaces in the compartments where all of the technology that would be in level two and level three would be. Mm. You know, the the moldings are all in place. They don't not create that space in the moldings in the dashboard because uh, you're never going to use it because it just costs more to actually take that stuff away than it would be to to put it in there. And it's it's the same with that with technology. You know, it's it's not going to be cheaper, so it's there for that reason. For people who do want to use it, great. People don't, they won't. And I think Fujifilm kind of deal with this, as with all of the camera manufacturers, by having different choices of cameras. If you don't want an X-H2S, which is, you know, very strong um, functionality in terms of filming, then, uh, you know, get an xt or an X, sorry, an X Pro 3 or something else which can do filming but isn't quite as functionality It's made for
0: it no, strong, no. Like you need to buy a Kia as well because that comes with everything doesn't it Kev it's fully flavoured
1: I like my Kia Sportage yeah and I mean, my two new tyres put on yesterday could you afford it
0: just about only <laughs> the back ones <laughs> I'm only running on two tyres yeah <laughs> Uh, right. No I, I wonder if we've got time for one more question. Have we? Uh, da, 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 da. It's not really a question, actually. This is from Mark Wardman. Um, but I suppose it's an Mark interest- Walberg. No, Wardman. Oh. No. <laughs> I'm not interested in. <laughs> no, don't be like that, <laughs> poor Mark. Listen to your recent discussion about Amazon Basics, and it reminded me of this. Oh, there's a film that he's linked to. Oh, I'll send you the uh, the uh, the link, Kev. If I just click it quickly. Um, it's a film about peak design it's a film about bags basically and and the sort of difference between spending little money or spending in decent money obviously peak design is is way more expensive but appears far more ethical and so the the film goes on to talk about how uh when when you buy when you spend a little bit more money um you, you you could well be um Using materials that that are a lot more ethical, um, whereas if you buy really cheap, no, I don't think the same attention to that kind of detail goes into it. It's the great yep. Amazon conundrum, if you like. Uh, loving the podcast as much as ever, though. So uh, it's not really a question, but but I suppose he's making a point here because we were talking about. Oh, in look, my wrists, look, look, look at the amazing prices of these Amazon Basics things, whereas they might not ethically be as good as spending the um, uh, more dollars on something that is a bit more sustainable i think
1: no quite right uh, very true but um, you know once if mark can write in again once the electricity companies and the gas companies are ethically <laughs> supplying it, then i shall think again oh
0: god don't talk about power and ethics oh <laughs> the two big superpowers of power in the world who do you think they are in terms of commercialism what in
1: terms of fuel power
0: yeah, yeah yeah in terms of powering the world what are the two big superpower i thought there'd be three but there's only apparently two and this is when it comes to financially feeding the world with power who, are, the, know. who are those don't two know. what do you think don't know Rush, do think? russia and america there we
1: oh go. Your countries yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 sorry i thought you meant companies yes uh, yeah
0: oh no not companies no there we go yeah. that that's uh, well there we go that's a whole new, that's a whole new subject for a different podcast altogether and that's it for this week um, we do need your facebook questions don't we Kev, really for if this is going to be bi-monthly now uh, and i don't mean every other month <laughs> every other week then uh, we we really do need your questions to come in through the facebook how, how we
1: do we do do... need more questions do you want to explain what people can expect on the patreon pop-up whatever we're going to call it
0: oh yeah so it's going to be a brand new um show every so we do we do our live sh- we do it. Well, it's not live we do our main show on uh, one week and then the next week you get the um you get the patreon edition which is a small it's a five ten minute show Uh, with a with a question something that we've taken from the show it's kind of sort of like an after party but not it's kind of taking a subject onto the the show so that's why i want to talk about cliche photographs kev uh next week so if you're with us on patreon next week we're going to be talking about cliche photographs and and some some of the things that kev does to get out of them perhaps i don't know uh, I've, I've got a sort of glint in my eye. That's what we're going to be doing. So ev- there is a there is now a FujiCast every single week. This channel, and then next week the Patreon channel, and then this channel, and then the week after the Patreon channel, and then the week after that this channel. And the, have you got the pattern now, Kev? Yeah. Good. That's
1: that's called weekly.
0: Well, yeah. Yeah, sort of. Right. Um, If you want to send your questions in, click at fujicast.co.uk. And, uh, Kev, how do we do it for Facebook again? Uh,
1: Pin threads, Facebook group, uh, search for Fujicast on Facebook if you want to join the group. We now have uh, nearly 3,000 members, I think. All very nice people. Um, So, yeah, join the group and you can uh, pop your question there and it's guaranteed to be uh, responded to on the show. Although, when...
0: I don't know. That doesn't sound like a very good guarantee. We'll see you if you're a patron next week. Otherwise, we'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. Bye-bye. The FujiCast is an independent Loading Zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way.